Bible today. So if you need a Bible, please raise your hands. And uh, if all you have is a phone, please raise your hand anyway. Uh, you need to learn how to flip through that Bible. Kind of like, you know, in, in third grade, I think the, we have math teachers in this church, multiple math teachers, and they will tell you, no, you don't just learn on a calculator. You have to learn the real thing. And so, uh, Bibles, anyone, we are going to be going around a couple, another Bible over here, another Bible here. Wow, this is a good pitch I just made. It was successful. Uh, right here, more Bibles, another Bible, the Cajon man right over here, that guy that was banging on the Cajon. Okay, we're going through Mark the book of Mark, chapter by chapter, uh, verse by verse. I think we have one more Bible over here. Uh, he broke his hand on the cajon, and so he's, uh, he's over there. Uh, we're going through Mark, chapter by chapter, uh, verse by verse, and we're all the way in Mark, chapter 16. Mark, chapter 16. By the way, Osagi, who gave announcements, I just want to thank him. He spent four weeks with uh, uh, many of you all after church teaching you what the Bible says about managing money. Would everyone just clap for Osagi? He's back there. He's that tall guy. Wave to us, Osagi. Yeah. The Bible has a lot to say about money. Your heart grows cold or thrives depending upon what you do with your money. And so we don't take a, uh, we don't take a, a, pass a plate here, but that's not to minimize the importance of giving and managing and spending your money well. So again, we are in Mark chapter 16, verse one says this, now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, who will roll the stone from the door of the tomb for us? But when they had looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go tell his disciples and Peter, that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. So they went out quickly and they fled from the tomb, for they trembled and were amazed. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we, we're here. We have the word in front of us. It's your word. Lord, we, we need surgery on our heart. We come here needy, Lord, needy, needing you, needing all of you. Father, I pray for any man or woman or child in this room who is here today,
with that spirit of self-sufficiency. I am sufficient by myself, on my own, apart from God. Lord, would you just break that down, Lord, so that he, she, myself, would understand, Lord, we are needy people, and you're waiting to fill our need. We are thirsty people, and you want to satisfy our thirst. We are hungry people, and your word says you're the bread of life. And we can feast off of you. Lord, we need that. We need you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So Mark chapter 16, the story of Jesus' resurrection. We left off last week spending most of our time reflecting deeply over the last few hours of Jesus' life. The last few hours of Jesus' life were spent in the dark. Mark chapter 15, verse 33, says this. Now when the sixth hour, this is Jesus, is on the cross at this time, Beaten, unrecognizable to, a, uh, to someone who may have known him before. An iron stake through his left hand, an iron stake through his right hand, to, in his, through his feet, a crown of thorns on his head. It says, now when the sixth hour, so that's noon, had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. We saw last week the parallel passage in the book of Luke says that the sun was darkened. Other translations say the sun failed or the sun stopped shining. There was no sun, says one translation. It was not cloud cover. It wasn't a bad weather day. It was a supernatural occurrence of the sun itself being shrouded in darkness. The physical darkness was a reflection of what was going on in Jesus' soul because of your sin, your sin and mine. Three hours, his soul shrouded in darkness. And the sun supernaturally darkened. For all eternity, Jesus, the Son of God, had been living in the reality of what he saw in the first chapter of Mark. We saw it there. When Jesus came out of the water after being baptized, Jesus himself heard the words. You read this in Mark 1.11. He said, you are, uh, um, he heard these words from the Father, God the Father. You are my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. We've discussed that translation. It's really dry in the English. In the Greek, it's more like you are my much loved Son. You give me exceedingly abundant joy. That's all Jesus had ever known. That's all he had ever known for all eternity. 
And imagine having that voice shutting down when you've been hearing it for all eternity. When you had been glowing, thriving, living under that voice. That's what happened on the cross as we discussed the full weight of your sin, my sin on Jesus on the cross, Jesus suffering the full punishment, the full consequence of your sin, which included, um, um, and, and so the full consequence of your sin being on him, my sin, was he became separated in some way. Listen, I can't describe it. He was fully God, fully man, but he became separated from God, uh, experienced that displeasure from God for the first time in all eternity, the Bible, the Bible teaches the concept of the Father turning his face away. You are my much-loved son. You give me exceedingly abundant joy. Cut off. His soul darkness, there's, there's physical darkness, a reflection of what's going on inside of him. And now it's the presence of, of the Father torn away somehow. somehow. Finally, Jesus cries out, um, on the cross uh, when it was 3 p.m. after three hours of darkness, he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then just a few moments later, he cried out again and he yielded, he gave his uh, spirit up. He died. Mark 15 ends with Jesus being taken down from the cross and placed in a tomb. That was a Friday. When chapter 16, in which we began this morning, uh, opens, it's very early on the following Sunday morning. Some of Jesus' disciples leave their homes to anoint Jesus' body. So verse one again, read it here with me. Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him very early in the morning on the first day of the week. They came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Verse 3 continues, and when and then they said among themselves, who will roll a stone away? When they, when they looked up, verse 4, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. Verse 5, entering, and entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in a long white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Now from here, they eventually go out and do tell other disciples. They were initially afraid. We'll read that later on. We'll read it next week, God willing. Uh, we know from the book of John that uh, two of them, two of the disciples, Peter and John, uh, when they found out that the body was gone, they ran to the tomb. And then he be Jesus actually begins appearing to the disciples. He appears to Mary first. Then he appears to the 12. 
We know from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he eventually appears to 500, over 500 people. And then after 40 days, he is taken up into heaven. The changes that took place as a result of Jesus' resurrection, the changes that took place were nothing short of spectacular, extraordinary. So extraordinary, so spectacular that the changes brought about by Jesus' resurrection from the dead are described in one place in the book of Acts as having turned the whole world upside down. I want to talk about one of those changes. A change that happened in the hearts of Jesus' disciples. And that was what they thought about the cross. Jesus being put to death on the cross. The change that happened. About Jesus being put on the cross and what they thought about it. In the book of Luke, as Jesus was being led to Calvary with a cross to crucify, to crucify him, it says that this in the book of Luke, it says a large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. The book wail, it means we don't use that much anymore, right? It's sobbing. In verse 10 of Mark Chapter 16, you're in it, you have it before you. Read verse 10. It says, She, Mary Magdalene, um, had told those who had been with them as they mourned and wept. In other words, um, it's two or three, it's, it's three days, it's day three, it's better put, after Jesus' crucifixion, and they're behind closed doors weeping. She finds them in that way when she goes to report it to them. Why the weeping? Why the sobbing? Yes, the obvious is true. Jesus was being taken away from them and he was going to die or he died. But, but it was how he died, it was how he died that was so terrible to his disciples crucifixion was the most terrible, degrading method of execution known to man. So humiliating was crucifixion. The victims were often, like Jesus, crucified naked. That means no loincloths, naked. That they would find the most crowded roads to crucify them on. So humiliating was, cruci humiliating was crucifixion that it was illegal to crucify a Roman soldier. I think one of the most powerful quotes out there on crucifixion is uh, Cicero, who was a household name at the time, who was a, an orator. This is what Cicero says about crucifixion. It is a crime for a Roman citizen to be bound, meaning to, bind, to chain them. 
that Roman citizens were treated real well. It was a privilege. It is a crime for a Roman citizen to be bound. It is worse crime for him to be beaten. It is well nigh parasite. Parasite is the crime of killing your own family member. It is well nigh parasite for him to be killed. But what am I to say if he has been killed on a cross? A nefarious action such as that is incapable of description by any word, for there is none fit to describe it. Crucifixion. Seneca, a Roman, or I think actually he was a Roman author and a philosopher, says this give me any other form of execution over crucifixion. Crucifixion was mostly used to execute slaves. This person is no better than a slave. Crucifixion was a statement to that effect. That was a statement when Jesus was uh, being crucified. Uh, it, it, and so for those who love Jesus, it, it could not possibly have been worse for them. The man who they loved, the man who they loved passionately, dying in such incredible shame, like a criminal, with criminals, with no doubt hundreds looking on over time. The prophet Isaiah 750 years before the crucifixion said this of Jesus when he would be crucified on the cross. The prophet said his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being and his form marred. That means uh, it was was like cut up and uh, beyond human likeness. Beyond human likeness. That describes Jesus on the cross. And, And in Isaiah 53, 3, it just says this. We hid our faces from him. Jesus' disciples could barely cope with the thought of Jesus dying in this way. They turned their faces away in horror, sobbing, wailing that this was the way Jesus had to go. They had thought Jesus was the Messiah. They thought that Jesus was the Christ. He would become a king. He would overthrow and crush the Romans, not be crushed by the Romans. This is the description by the prophet Isaiah of who Jesus is and who they thought he was and who they they had certain conceptions of who the Messiah is. And, and, And it was this kind of verse that was front and center to them. Isaiah 42, verse one and four. Here is my servant. This is God the Father talking about Jesus the Son. Here's my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. This is what they thought Jesus was going to do in their sight and in their lifetime. He will not falter nor be discouraged until he establishes justice on the earth. So now here Jesus is crushed. They are crushed. They're weeping. They're wailing. Not only over the fact that Jesus did die, but how he died, there could not possibly have been a worse way to die. And their hope also shattered. Have you ever had something happen to you where all you wanted to do more than anything else is to get the thought of what happened 
out of your head. Or the picture of what happened, out of your head. You try, you try, you try, you try. It just keeps on coming back in, back in. The, the, the thought just keeps coming in. That was them. A mangled Jesus on the cross. But the resurrection changes all of this. It just changes all of it. <laughs> what they thought about the cross. It says again in Mark chapter 16, the angel said, verse six, the angel said to them at the tomb, the empty tomb, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. It's gonna change everything, including what they think about the cross because the resurrected Jesus explains to them, he talks with people. To over 500, he talked to them. And there's a, accounts, uh, many accounts here in the, in the Bible about Jesus in his resurrected body, his glorified body, talking to them, explaining to them about the cross. And yes, though it was considered the most shameful, cruel, and humiliating execution, it was God's way of glorifying himself that would turn the world upside down and many, many hearts, including some of your hearts in this room. Turn with me to the book of Luke. That should be the page to your right is the book of Luke for most of you. And go to the 24th chapter. And there is a story in there. Oh, how I love this story. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard the last six weeks teaching about Jesus being beaten to a pulp multiple times and then spat upon, beaten upon, and then going to the, to the cross. That's not an easy thing for a pastor to do. I like this story. This story is awesome. This story makes my heart soar. S-O-A-R, not S-O-R-E. It just makes my, my, my heart soar. It says, um, in his resurrected body, uh, Luke chapter 24, he said, now behold, two of them, meaning two of Jesus' disciples, were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem, and they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was, while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Again, this is Jesus' resurrected, glorified body. But their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. Verse 17, and Jesus said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Verse 18, then one of those whose name was Cleopas uh, answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? 
And have you not known the things which have happened there in these days? And Jesus said to them, what things? And so they said to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, how the chief priests and the rule, our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today, the third day since these things happened, yes, certain women of our company arrived at the tomb. They astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels and said that he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the woman had said, but him... They did not see. Verse 25, then Jesus said to them, oh, foolish ones. It's so good when God tells me that because good stuff is coming. Stuff I need to hear. Oh, Steve, you foolish one. It's a wonderful thing to be rebuked by the Lord. Oh, foolish one. Slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27, the Bible study that every Christian who's ever lived would give all their money that they ever had to have been in. It says, and beginning at Moses, meaning the first five books of the Bible, and all the prophets Jesus expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So where was Jesus showing them? Where was he showing them in the Bible? That you foolish ones, did you not know that he had to be crucified? He had to suffer. He had to be pummeled, punished, spat upon. Where does it say that? No doubt there were many places, starting in Genesis chapter 3, no doubt, if not earlier, but Isaiah 53, we'll limit it to that. No doubt in my mind, he was bringing them through these verses. It says, um, but he, Jesus, this is 750 years before Jesus was crucified, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we are healed no doubt he continued his bible study can you imagine i mean every time you have a bible study actually jesus is giving it to you if you have a surrendered heart but in person they're getting a bible study from jesus these guys then he would have gone on to verse six, which says the Lord has laid on him, the Messiah, the Messiah you think died and was crucified and dead and worm food right now. It says of him that the Lord on him laid on him the iniquity of us all. No doubt Jesus continued. And, and in, in verse eight said, for the transgressions of my people, he was stricken, meaning struck, meaning bruised. And then in verse 10, Jesus would have shown them this verse, God will make 
his soul, whose soul, Messiah's soul, Jesus' soul, an offering, sorry about the and, an offering of sin. And so Jesus takes these guys through the Bible to show them about themselves, and he's telling them, listen, it had to go like this. You guys were just looking at the verses you wanted to read. Anyone ever done that? Well, that's why I'm raising my hand. Yeah, we do that. That's a problem. Uh, and so um, he, he, he took the guys through the Bible. But let's pick up again in verse 28. It says, then they drew near to the village where they were going. This is Luke 24, 28. And he indicated that he would have gone further. But they constrained him. They tried to stop him saying, abide with us for it is towards evening and the day is spent. And he went in to stay with them. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it, gave it to him. Then their eyes were opened. They knew him. He vanished from their sight. Then they said to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures? Verse 33. So they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together and saying, The Lord is risen indeed. And he has appeared to Simon. Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened up the Bible to us? So from this point on, an extraordinary, spectacular change begins to happen, the crucifixion. Jesus, Messiah, Savior, lover of their souls, nailed to the cross... His disciples went from doing everything they could to get that thought out of their head to doing everything they could to keep that thought in their head. You and I, we would do well to do the same thing. Everything you can do to keep the thought of the, of, of the, of the crucified cross and making that connection to your sin. And, and, and that's what they were doing because now they know it's the cross the bloody, messy cross that saved them. So they realized, they understood, they were taught by the resurrected uh, Jesus that they, because of their sin, you, because of your sin, because of the countless times you have violated the holy law of God, the countless times that we have done that, you have done that, they, these two, these two disciples, and then those who, who, who go after them, that they were the ones who should have been nailed to the cross. You were the one that should have been nailed to the cross, but God so loved you that he sent his son Jesus, perfect, sinless, lover of your soul, Jesus, to be nailed on the cross for you. The ugly, hideous, humiliating cross saved them. Jesus had died in the cross, scourged, beaten, humiliated, separated from the Father in the dark, but the resurrection just puts a floodlight on the cross in a completely different perspective. 
So much so that the cross went from being a thing at the, as, the, as, as the Roman order Tacitus said that no one dared even um, speak about to something where the disciples went out and shouted from the mountaintops. Example, Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. Shouting with his written pen, the apostle Paul tells the people in Colossus, you were dead. And, and listen, every single person in this room, you either were dead spiritually or you still are because you've never opened up your heart and said, Jesus Christ, I'm sick of being my own God. You come in. Some of you may be dead today. But, but what, what, what um, Paul says is you were dead because of your sins. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. And then so the cross just becomes something that every disciple of Jesus Christ, you don't keep the secret you declare it, but, and, but, 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 but more than that, you run to it. You run to the cross instead, instead of being scandalized by it. First sermon ever given in public, Acts chapter 2, um, after Jesus had been resurrected. First public sermon, Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter presents the cross with all its ugliness to thousands who were listening to him. He presents the cross. To them, Jesus was died for sin. And it says 3,000 people ran to that cross for baptism. <laughs> I can't prove that they were running, but the, image, the imagery really is that they hastened to the place to, 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 the, to the place to be baptized. And of course, baptism, we have a baptism after church next Sunday. If you haven't been baptized, let me know. But they ran to that baptism. The baptism represents that death and that burial where you go and you agree. Yeah, Jesus, I'm going to go to that cross and be buried with you. And then, of course, when you come out of the water in baptism, it represents just like Jesus was resurrected. You're now being resurrected to newness of life. The point being, listen, Calvary Chapel, listen to me, please. You need the cross. You need the cross. I need the cross today as much as I've ever needed the cross. I love what our men's retreat, retreat uh, speaker Jack Kranz told us a couple years ago. He, he goes into prisons every day and, and he started describing to the men the, the, the crimes of the people in his, uh, in his prison and it was unbelievable. Absolutely could not describe it right now. It was so terrible. And he told us with all sincerity, if you know Jack, you know he was telling the truth. He said, I go into that prison every day understanding I need Jesus more than all these guys. You need Jesus Christ. You need him. You need the cross. You need, you, you need the, 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 that bloody cross and, and what was done and, and, and he, you should have been nailed there and, 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 and he was nailed in your place and he saved you by the cross. I'm gonna ask the worship team uh, to come up at this time. You know, this week, uh, this week we cancel our Bible studies for the sole purpose of focusing on the cross on Friday night at our Friday night communion time. It's over on Washington Street, about a mile away. 
So the prayer times, as always, go. Please join us at noon prayer on Zoom and th- the 3 p.m. prayer in Spanish. But, but uh, uh, no studies this week. We just decided to do that. We decided to do that uh, a couple years ago because we really felt we needed to focus on the cross, how much we need the cross. Now, it's true we need the resurrection more because the Bible says in Romans 5.25, we were... He was crucified because of our sins, but he was raised from the dead in order to justify us, in order to save us. But if you've been asked to pray, if you could please come up at this time, listen. If um, someone, if something has stirred in your heart as a result of this message, and let me begin with this. If you have never in your life made Jesus your Lord and King, I would like you to come up at this time. I'll be up here. If, you, if, you, if you've been asked to pray, if you could come up at this time, prayer partners, please come up. Just come up and, um, and, let us, and, and, and let us know. Look, I never made Jesus. I've heard about him. I, I, I never gave my life to, to Jesus Christ until I was in my early 20s, even though I'd been hearing about him my whole life. He wants a relationship with you. But let me tell you, you don't want to get before God in the judgment. The Bible says that everyone was appointed to die one time and then comes the judgment. You don't want to show up before God trying to argue with him that you, on your own merit, deserve to go to heaven. You don't want to do that. You deserve the cross. Jesus went in for you. And so um, if you've never done that, come up. If there's anything else that you'd like to pray about, you know, when I hear the word of God, there's just a lot of times my heart is stirred up for many different things. If you, if you want to come up here and pray, please come up at this time. Why don't you rise? We're going to sing a worship song. Just worship together. If you'd like to pray, please come up. Otherwise, worship. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time. We thank you, Lord, for... For really showing us, showing me, Lord, how much I need, how much I need the cross. And we thank you, Lord, for that resurrection day that shined a floodlight on the cross as something that's not, it's not humiliating, it's not a thought we, we need to get out of our head, it's a thought we need to get in our head because we saved us and it's your glory. So, Father, I just pray, Lord, for anyone in, in here, Lord, you're speaking to, to come out of the dark into the light with any area of their life. Maybe it's their whole life. Father, help them just bring it out of the dark. Bring it out in the open. Confess it. Confess their need for you. I need the cross. Put that confession on their mouth. And Lord, help us worship now. And I pray this in Jesus' name.